1: Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another edition of Dice Trade Caps on Roto Vegas Radio. Today, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Dan Seno. Week one of free agency is in the books. Lots of movers, lots of shakers, trades, cuts, keeps, trade, cuts, Debbie or not, who knows? <laughs> uh, lots of news in the NFL world, um, and it might... like. You know, last week when I said that this is like the most news and notes that we, we maybe have ever had on this show. Well, y- y- this week beats last week, <laughs>
2: um, you know, it's been, it's been crazy. This is I mean, this will be an off season to remember, I, I think, uh, especially in the in this crazy salary cap era where it's more difficult than than anything to. To actually make some stuff work. And even though people want to go with the, you know, cap as a myth deal. I mean, you still have to have everything kind of on the straight and narrow before, you know, b- before the season starts, before free agency opens, before everything. So the fact that we've had this much movement and this many teams eating as much money as they're eating on a lot of these really bad contracts, trading some mediocre players for more than what they're worth to other places, it um it, it's it's been a very, very interesting offseason, to say the least, and uh, I don't know that this week is more crazy than last. I just think it, it seems like it all hit at the same time within, you know, a few hours of each other.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's get into the show. We'll start off with the the big news that occurred on Friday and kind of with the most of the major players we will you know talk about the. Both sides, the the team they left, the team they 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 joined, and all those things, and um, how the value is impacted there. So the first one we'll talk about is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson traded for a bevy of draft picks: three, I think it's three firsts, and like a third and a fourth and a fifth or something along those lines. A lot of picks going from the Cleveland Browns to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson, and the biggest news being the 240 million, like 200 of that being guaranteed, and So yeah, he got the bag from Cleveland and what is the differentiator from every account of it, the difference between the Falcons and the saints and then the Browns was that the Browns were willing to guarantee his 2021 salary, regardless of whether he plays his base salary is only $1 million in 2022. So if he doesn't play it down, he only loses a million dollars and not $40 million.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's smart business, uh, regardless of the off the field, whatever. Uh, the Browns get a massive upgrade and, and Deshaun gets that guaranteed money that really every player should be after. So it's um it, it's it's crazy to see, you know, what kind of was on the the path to a kind of an elite quarterback within the league could do it all, can can throw it, can run it. And uh, everything is, was kind of in line. And now here we are swapping teams, you know, five years into his career gets a massive new contract on probably, I don't want to say definitely, but probably the most talented roster. You know, the, the Texans defense wasn't, wasn't great, but the offense was pretty darn good. When you, you know, you had Will Fuller, you had DeAndre Hopkins running back was a little bit scarce, but now you put Deshaun Watson onto a team that, Probably has, you know, I would say Amari Cooper's on par, maybe just a, a tier below DeAndre Hopkins as far as like peak, really elite wide receiver. The the running back thing I think is going to be massive for Deshaun Watson though, because he's never even been close to anywhere, anything like Nick Chubb. That should keep the defense at bay, and and allow him to pick up some yardage on his uh, with his legs as well. I do think that the volume here is is a bit restricted, but it wasn't really, you know, crazy in Houston either. I mean, his career high in attempts is 544. I would imagine he'll probably be around that in Cleveland now with that 17th game. But, you know, Baker, Baker Mayfield never threw, I think his career high was like 515 uh, or something in that realm, 534 in year two when, you know, kind of his career year, I guess, Not, I guess I should say career year. It felt like he was throwing nonstop, had a million interceptions that year. But Deshaun, uh, I think, is kind of on that Russell Wilson wavelength where he can be really efficient, even though he's probably throwing more passes than Russell Wilson will. And he's got the surrounding talent to do it. I would expect Cleveland to probably bring in one more wide receiver, whether it's bringing back Jarvis Landry or trying to get Will Fuller to commit, probably having to take a little bit of a pay cut based on you know, his Potential valuation. I just think Cleveland with Deshaun is s- way scarier than Cleveland with Baker.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, strictly from an on field standpoint, the Baker Browns seemed like they were capped around that AFC championship mark, that they weren't going to get to the Super Bowl with Baker as he was playing. Now, I do think that Baker Mayfield is better than 2021 Baker Mayfield. And that may lend credence to him being a starter elsewhere but you know we're playing a game of musical chairs here and there's really only two two seats left and that doesn't include rookie quarterbacks there's really just carolina and seattle left in terms of landing spots for for baker mayfield to be the starter um i think that baker mayfield to the seahawks makes a lot of sense and i think that Uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, to Metcalf and and Lockett if they're not going the full absolute tank rebuild mode, which it doesn't seem like they're going to because Pete Carroll's too old. Um, So I think that's the interesting landing spot there for Baker if he ends up getting traded. But I think that a weird part of the Baker Mayfield trading formula is... Obviously, what's going to happen with the suspension with Deshaun Watson? I People tend to think, oh, it's going to be four. It's going to be six games. I think it's going to be one or the other. I think it's either going to be 16 games or it's either going to be 17 games or zero. I, I, I think that they're either going to say, clearly, we don't care about what the criminal court says. We think that you did some, some screwed up things and we're going to make sure you pay for it with a year suspension. Or they're going to take the role of you don't have criminal charges and we're not going to suspend you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it'll depend on what their investigation pulls. But from what I've my understanding of the whole bit is, you know, they're kind of in the, the same path as as the, um, you know, the, the criminal path that said that there was no charges being brought. So, yes, there's still precedent for him to miss games because of civil suits. Uh, but who knows? We, we We don't know. We don't have any of that inside information in regards to all of that. Uh, that'll be entirely up to the league to see what happens, but I think I think I, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's either all of it or none of it. I think you I think that's a really really tough line to tiptoe on. Is well is is this is this issue only worth four games or is it worth six games? Just either suspend him for all of it or say he was innocent and do none of it.
1: Yeah, and so with Baker, I, I think that it's interesting. People keep on. People keep on mentioning that with Watson, that if Watson suspended, Baker will be there. I don't get that because Baker has already said he's not playing for Cleveland. Like, are people just like I can understand that you know, Baker Cleveland might hold him hostage, but do you think Baker could actually play for the Browns if and when Watson suspended?
2: No, I, I think I mean, to be completely honest with you, it'll probably be better for Baker to. I think be stuck in limbo. He may be a member of the Cleveland Browns, but he will not be playing for them. Uh, I think giving him a year to fully heal from his surgery, get to 100% and then seek a trade after that, because I I think there's a lot more hesitancy to Baker Mayfield, whether or not he's fully healthy, uh, whether the shoulder was the only problem, this, that, and the other thing, obviously the temper tantrum we've seen of late hasn't exactly helped. Uh, his his value. But I think if I think if the Seahawks were actually a destination for him, it would have happened already. I think if the Panthers were a destination for him, it would have happened already. I I just I don't see these teams, you know, champing at the bit to to acquire Baker
1: Mayfield, because for for whatever reason, people are assuming Baker Mayfield is QB purgatory, which I think is a large
2: leap based on you know, a small sample from 2021. He's definitely not keeping purgatory. I, I would, I would go out on a limb and say there's arguably eight to ten quarterbacks I would put Baker Mayfield either on par with or in front of. Uh, we've seen a few of them move around and uh, more recently be acquired or traded or, or uh, signed. It, it's, it's a weird spot. I think, I think Baker Mayfield's best bet here is probably to take 2022 off. Whether it's because he isn't healthy or because he can't be traded because nobody wants him right now. The only way he's going to be traded now is if Cleveland is somehow attaching one of their very few remaining picks that have any value to him as essentially a a cap dump. They they can get that contract off their books, send him with a pick to somebody. You know, maybe the Jets take him and he sits with Zach Wilson. Maybe maybe the Seahawks do take him in that capacity. I just don't think anyone's going to be spending any real capital, any real draft picks to acquire somebody that A, has been kind of a drama queen of late and B, isn't healthy and showed that they weren't healthy and that their play suffered because of it. So I uh, kind of damned if you do, you can get damned if you don't with Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm going to go and just say sit 2022 and, and that's, I think, going to be best for Baker.
1: All right, so let's do a quick just. We can do either startup or rookie pick uh, equivalent for Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield. I I would say, you know, you have to be, you know, be able to stomach the risk a little bit. But I think that the the Deshaun Watson price should be around like the 210 to 212 range of Superflex startups because if he isn't suspended, he should be going like 106, 107. And so. That is a large drop from two oh six or for one oh six to, to two ten. And so you might even say that's a little bit overstated. But that's my risk tolerance for Watson and his goings on for the next, you know, couple of years. And but pretty much I think that the moment he plays a snap, he's probably safe and he probably rockets back up into that top eight, top nine asset.
2: Yeah, I mean it's really hard to put your finger on it until we know exactly what's going to happen as far as the suspension might go. But if I'm being honest, I'm I'm probably putting him closer to that that Kyler Murray spot versus putting him in the maybe the russell wilson justin fields uh aaron Rodgers bit matthew stafford Uh, i feel like you might be able to get him there but i uh, if i have him on my team i'm not moving him for any less than kind of what Kyler murray would take to acquire or to move
1: and i for baker i would trade any second like i'm fine stomaching trading 201 especially in this garbage draft class um two the whatever Baker's gonna be better whenever you can get at 201. The only argument you could make is like if you want to just, you know, start with a fresh plate with a guy like Ritter or Strong, may end up being there at that two, 201. But I think that burn the hand two in the bush, like I'll I'll take Baker over the two oh one right now.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably in the same spot. I I think he's good enough when healthy and on the field where he's still like a mid QB two. Uh, so, I mean, I'm taking him over like your Jameis Winstons. I'm I'm probably taking him over uh, Ryan Tannehill. It just kind of depends on my team build. If I need the points right now, I, I'm not going to be getting Baker Mayfield. If, if I'm rebuilding or if I'm just full punting, whatever it happens to be, I think Baker could potentially be a really nice buy just because his cost to acquire is very minimal for potential, you know, uh, every week starter for you uh, as far as upside goes. All right, let's move on to
1: another big trade that happened last week. It was Devontae Adams being traded on his franchise tag to the Las Vegas Raiders, reunited with his friends, Fresno State teammate, Derek Carr. Obviously, a bit of a downgrade from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr from quarterback play, but I don't think Devontae Adams loses a whole lot. Like I think that his his ceiling you know, is shaved off a little bit, but he's still, you know, a top three, top four wide receiver in fantasy and in real life. So I, I think that if you can, there is no discount based on the trade from what I've seen in the trade market, but if you can get any sort of discount and, you know, you're a a win now-ish team trying to acquire, you know, an older veteran wide receiver, I'm, I'm perfectly fine stomaching the risk involved in, you know, the downgrade and QB play. And of course we talk, we talk about it every year that, you know, the the statistics in regards to wide receivers who change teams, typically they have a, a decent amount of regression. Not always the case. You know,
2: Hopkins had a great
1: year one in Arizona.
2: Well, further on in the career, I think is where you always go to it. And I've I've kind of started to use it a little bit more where talent wins out future. When we know you're elite at that point, talent wins out. We can't say that for like Julio Jones, who we knew was washed. Previously, elite people had all these crazy expectations for someone like that. Devonte Adams isn't in those shoes. Devonte Adams is kind of on the same timeline as DeAndre Hopkins was. Uh, if he's healthy, I mean, he's caught passes from two quarterbacks since high school: Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. And he's reuniting with Derek Carr. So I, I don't see how this is a downgrade. I, I think um, I think the upside is capped with Derek Carr. But I don't think the floor is crazy far off of what it was with Green Bay. He's still really the only talent in town. Yes, they have Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, but those two don't hold Devontae Adams' jockstrap. He is going to be heavily targeted. That that whole entire division. I mean, the defenses aren't exactly the you know the eighty-four Bears or whatever year the Bears were good. I always forget. Uh, it's. I think he's going to eat it up. That's going to be such a high-flying, high-scoring division. All of those games are going to be wild. And that's kind of become what the NFL is. It's just go, go, go. There's a lot less defensive struggles than there ever has been. And this team is, you know, they've upgraded their defense over the years, but this team is still built to go out and try to put up points, even though they don't really have all of these big names. I think that offense with Devontae, Renfro, Waller, and Josh Jacobs, and, and a, a definitely above average Derek Carr. I think they're going to surprise some people and put up some real numbers. I I think we see Devontae Adams, maybe the that there's touchdown regression, but I think the rest of the numbers are a pretty straight line. I think he maybe goes from 12 to, you know, into that 18 touchdown range of his upside into eight to 10, probably.
1: Yeah. And, I will say that the loser of this trade other than, you know, Aaron Rodgers, is Darren Waller Mm -hmm. because I mean, granted I've been banging the like Darren Waller is overvalued train forever. And I've consistently been burned by it. But the reason why I've been burned by it is because the Raiders haven't brought anything to compete with his targets. And now, you know, there's 10 to 12 targets a game that are going to Devontae Adams that, you know, probably five or six of those would have gone to Darren Waller. So I think that, you know, he was target-dependent. And I know we talk about, like, TD dependency is obviously something you don't, you don't want to have. And target-dependency is not really a thing. You know, players who are good earn targets. But, you know, Darren Waller, not as good as Devontae Adams, he's going to have that decrease in targets.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, that just kind of is what it is. You bring in an elite-level player, anybody who, you know, maybe isn't bringing, you know, who isn't at that elite talent, who isn't being... Probably overpaid is more than likely going to suffer the consequences. We'll probably see Hunter Renfro get some regression in that regard as well. Uh, I think this is great for Josh Jacobs. I think he's been a really nice buy low for quite some time. But yeah, I think if anybody's willing to discount Devonte Adams in the short term, you kind of have to take advantage of it. Because even though he's probably not a first round startup pick at this stage, you could probably get him for a decent price for what should be first round startup points.
1: Yeah. And Jacobs is a sneaky winner because I think this ups his touchdown upside from like an eight to 10 to like a 12 to 16. Like if that Raiders offense gets humming, who knows what happens in the red zone with, you know, Josh Jacobs. So I think that his, his CD upside definitely grows with that offense getting better in the form of Devontae Adams. Now let's go to a player who this happened a couple weeks ago and we just checked our, our podcast notes and apparently we didn't talk about it. So um, we'll talk about it real quick. Um, Carson Wentz to the commanders. Neither of us are the biggest Carson Wentz believers at this stage of his career. You know, hasn't really been the same since, you know, that breakout season in 2017 with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was fine in 2021. He didn't win you games. He didn't lose you games. He was just fine. Do you think that, we'll see the same level of just fineness in Washington, or do you think there might be a slight bump down and with Washington not, not being as good as possibly, possibly the
2: Colts were with Jonathan Taylor? I mean, it, he, he's Teddy Bridgewater, right? Uh, he's just uh, he's not exciting. they not moving the ball downfield. Everything's just kind of dink and dunk. But, I mean, for the price, if you need a quarterback, you can definitely do worse than Carson Wentz. I just it, it the the big reason why I think both you and I were never on the bandwagon was because of how expensive he got and how fast he got, all based on 2017, where Nick Foles led that team to a Super Bowl, but everyone acted as if Carson Wentz did absolutely everything. Sure, he was third in MVP voting that year. I get that he had a fine year, uh, by today's standards. 3,300 yards is, I mean, that's, that's nothing. That's, that's rookie quarterback doing the bare minimum standard. Uh, Sure, that's 14 games though, or 13 games. Also true, but still, even if we extrapolate, you know, he's, then he's going to be in that 4,000 yard, you know, category, which he did in 2019 at the age of 27. Mm -hmm. I just, I, there's not a lot of upside with Carson Wentz. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot, which is great, but he's not going to take over and win you games. He isn't an MVP caliber player. He never was. I think that year just, he had the freedom to do whatever he wanted because his defense was so damn good. Now the,
1: the big fantasy crux of this is Carson Wentz going to Washington is and I only this is really the question is this the best quarterback that terry McLaurin has ever had and does his conservative conservativeness like kind of not make up for the fact that he is he is the best quarterback that terry McLaurin has ever had is he better than taylor heineke i don't know that he is see heineke good heineke was pretty good last year bad heineke was awful bad wentz Yes, he'll have like some stupid fumbles, but bad Wentz won't ever be statistically in terms of like passing yards and things like that won't
2: be as bad as bad Heineke. I, to be completely honest with you, I think they were fairly on par with one another because Carson Wentz is probably that 50 50. He's either good or bad. There's never any just like, okay, he's out there. Um, I, and I feel like that's kind of how Heineke was. He was, he, it was all bang or, or all bust. And, You're going to kind of get, I feel like the commanders or Washington in general have always kind of chased that, that mediocrity. Uh, You know, Alex Smith was, I think their last notable quarterback, never going to go out and take a game over, but he's probably not going to lose it for you. That's Carson Wentz. It's, it just is what it is. He's unexciting. uh, But with that, he's going to be out there. He's, he's probably going to score some points for the price. You could do worse. All right, let's
1: go on to Jameis Winston returning on a two-year deal uh, to the New Orleans Saints. I think this is a win for all parties. I, I think that it's a, 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 a nice fit for Jameis as long as he returns healthy. I'm not saying that they're going to you know make the playoffs or win any Super Bowls with Jameis Winston at quarterback, but I think that Jameis at this stage is probably like I'd have to like look at rankings, but probably like in like that QB eighteen to QB twenty two range, where it's like he has enough upside that he could be, you know, a starter for the next, you know, four or five years because he's still young enough and he still has that number one overall pick pedigree and all those things. And the Saints still have Michael Thomas. I mean, Jameis was playing well before the injury last year, and that was without Michael Thomas. So what does Jameis Winston Michael Thomas look like in New Orleans in 2022?
2: Well, I think the Saints' offense as a whole is much more well-rounded. We all know that Taysom Hill sucks, and I'm still angry for the last, like, three years of having to deal with that garbage. Uh, It's a great thing for Alvin Kamara, obviously. It should be good for Michael Thomas. It'll be good for whatever rookie quarter... Or wookie... (laughs) Wookie. Rookie rookie wide receiver they draft. My guess would be someone like George Pickens. But we'll see what what kind of develops from this. They're very... They're lacking talent on the offensive side of the ball. They have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and that's pretty much it. Now, that's a good start, but you need some depth. You need some other guys. You definitely need a wide receiver, too. I wouldn't hate them going out and grabbing a tight end. So I think if Jameis just can be standard Jameis, this is going to be great for fantasy. I don't think we're going to get 2019 Tampa Jameis, where he's just YOLO balling 600 times a season, throwing for 5,000 yards. but. I think thirty five hundred to four thousand in a in a more restricted style, Jameis, where he isn't turning the ball over a, as much as he's scoring touchdowns. Uh, which again, like you alluded to, we saw early on last year. He was something like fifteen and two or fourteen and three, I think, from a, a touchdown to interceptions, which is kind of unheard of for Jameis Winston. If he can continue off of that while he stays healthy, gets in better shape, does all of those things. There's going to be much better upside and, and probably some upside from the Saints offense we haven't seen since like maybe 2018 or 19 when Drew Brees is kind of starting to get to his last legs.
1: Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on Jameis long term? Do you think that if you're buying him in Superflex, are you really only projecting 2022 with a dash of 2023 or do you think there's legitimate like long term three, four year upside?
2: I'll just say that if he grew a beard, I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Ryan, him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Same guy, <laughs> I, you know. He could stick. It, you know, maybe the Saints re-fall in yeah, love yeah, with him no. again.
1: I, I no, I think that Jameis. That's what that's what I would say. I, I would say that he probably has one to one and a half years of locked in. He's the number one starter, and then after that, he has five or six years of
2: going and being, you know, the 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 quarterback before the heir apparent. Absolutely, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It sucks kind of never knowing what's going to be around the corner around the bend for that quarterback. But I think you can pretty much lock in and you know, these next maybe, well, we'll see how this year goes. You know, if they go four and 13, obviously Jameis isn't going to be the quarterback of the future. They're going to draft someone highly in the much more sought after 23 draft. And Jameis will probably be out the door, but playing somewhere. It, that's he's done enough in his career to continue to earn these jobs. Um, Obviously they brought him back. You know, he, he was, he was good in Tampa on and off, but just turned the ball over way too much. And in new Orleans, it seems like he's kind of figured out how to play without throwing the ball to the other team. So uh, I think you can lock in 2022 for Jameis Winston is probably like a mid QB two type season. And then beyond that, it's just kind of a wild card. And now it's here about our friends at BetterHelp.
3: Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Flagship Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with, you can send messages, get thoughtful responses, you can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today, and I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H E L P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for RotoViz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash RotoViz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be. So please check it out.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: All right, let's move on to another quarterback who is changing teams, and it is Matt Ryan going from... Uh, the Atlanta Falcons to the Annapolis Colts with the largest dead cap hit in NFL history for the Atlanta Falcons you and I didn't really believe this would happen because we didn't think any team would take the dead cap hit but if any team is going to take a dead cap hit it's going to be a team that has no intentions of winning in
2: 2022
1: <laughs> uh, so Matt Ryan out of Atlanta into Indy is this Philip Rivers 2.0 or is this uh, you know breakout city for Michael Pittman
2: Yeah, definitely not going to be Breakout City. Uh, Atlanta's taking on the biggest cap hit in NFL history, while Indianapolis is arguably taking on the biggest arm hit in NFL history. Uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, it's, it's pretty beyond him at this stage. I think the last probably three years of him throwing over 600 times was about it for his arm. Last year, everything was just a lame duck. Nothing had the heat on it. You know, the the mid-2010s, uh, Matt Ryan, is long and gone. This this isn't good, I don't think, for any of the skilled players, even probably Jonathan Taylor, to be completely honest with you, because they're just going to funnel him and, and focus that because Matt Ryan's not going to be able to push the ball down the field. Intermediate stuff, the tight ends will probably get some good work. Uh, if Michael Pittman can can bring his route tree in closer to the line of scrimmage. So Matt Ryan can give him the ball. I think that will be good. I don't know what else they can really do though. uh, Aside from run the ball and kind of dink and dunk and then just kind of lean on their defense. But I will say this is probably one of the better lines Matt Ryan has had. So he will have a little bit extra time to shuffle his cement feet and get himself in a good position to throw the football. So we do have that going for us, but I, I'm not a huge fan of this. Hopefully uh this this couple uh divides sooner rather than later, preferably by twenty twenty three when they're drafting someone early. Thoughts on Julio reuniting in Indy? Is that is that a locked in thing or is that like a No,
1: it's a it's a rumored.
2: Well, Darius Leonard wants him there. I did see that. And obviously it would make sense with Matt Ryan. Although I feel like Julio's got to be at least somewhat salty that he caught like his career high in touchdowns is like one and a half. So I can't (laughs) imagine Julio's wanting to go and not catch touchdowns like he did for the first 10 years of his career.
1: Yeah. And just from like an NFL perspective, the the part that doesn't make sense from this is that no matter who, outside of like getting to Sean Watson, no matter who the Colts were getting at quarterback, it was not going to be. Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, like their best case scenario is a five seed and losing in the first round. I don't really understand how or why they would make this move.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, I think their move would have been Baker had all of the drama not occurred. I, I, I feel like that was a much, much easier path to them actually standing a chance and maybe winning one game in the playoffs. But the AFC is so stacked right now that this is probably just throwing Matt Ryan a bone and hoping that you know either they lose every game or Matt Ryan looks like Super Bowl year Matt Ryan. And let's go to
1: Matt Ryan's former team, Marcus Mariota. Um, some inside baseball. Dan and I co manage a team together, and we we've had an <laughs> offer basically. We've had an offer basically in our back pocket for Kyle Pitts for about a month now. And we decided when the Matt Ryan trade happened, we don't want to ride the Falcons quarterback coaster with Kyle Pitts. And so we made a deal where we traded Kyle Pitts in a first-round pick for CD Lamb and a and TG Hawkinson. Um, granted, it is very tight in premium, um, two tight ends and some tight end adjustments as well. So there's a reason it's not just Essentially, t- trading a first-round pick for for DJ Hawkinson, but essentially, you said uh, in the text message, you said when we sent the offer, we we're like, okay, let's just send it. It sent, you, and you said if they sign Mariota, I'm gonna be pissed. And <laughs> seven seven minutes after the the offer was accepted,
2: <laughs> what 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 happened, Dan? After seven minutes after, they just so happened to sign Marcus Mariota. So <laughs> in one hour. We went from owning Kyle Pitts to the Falcons trading or getting uh, Marcus Mariota and us no longer having Kyle Pitts. So I know everybody's probably like, well, that's the downgrade for it doesn't matter because my love for Marcus Mariota is eternal. I don't care if both of his legs fall off. He's still the QB one in my heart. Uh, he was robbed of his early years by Jeff Fisher. I will I will stand by that. And. Now maybe we see a career resurrection in Atlanta at the spry young age of 28 and a half.
1: Yeah. I think this should be fun for Mariota. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, this big of an upgrade for Kyle Pitts from a passing perspective. I think that Mariota is going to vulture some red zone touchdowns and the the Falcons are going to invest heavily at wide receiver in the draft. So I, I, I think Pitts is fine. He's going to be, you know, a top three tight end. It's nothing to shake a stick at. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see this as an upgrade or downgrade too much, really. Um, but I think Mariota is interesting and is going to be, you know, assuming he's the starter, he's probably going to be, you know, QB fifteen to twenty range because he has that rushing upside. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like Mariota from a fantasy perspective, but I do think, it, I mean, I don't think I know um it's an 18 million dollar deal and only six of it is this year so aka it's a one-year deal he has a one-year deal to try out and if he proves to be a starter he's a cheap starter at 12 million dollars but i don't see them you know i don't see them signing this deal saying Mariota's is their quarterback in 2023
2: I, I will bring something up that i always have to remind myself of because we we always talk about well, when Mariota comes up is oh well the rushing upside he averages like 20 yards per game on the ground from when he was a starter in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I, he can run. We've seen him run. We loved watching him do it at Oregon, but he hasn't really done it as a professional. I, I would love to see him do it, but at the same time, if he can just stay in the pocket and not get hurt, I will take that over an extra 40 or 50 yards of rushing because that don't mean that I'm getting an extra 250 yards and maybe a couple of touchdowns in passing. Instead of him being on the injured reserve again, so I I hope he can just be a more light footed Matt Ryan in Atlanta. That would be uh, option A for me. I think if he can stay fully healthy, option B would be resorting back to his career averages and and you know maybe getting twenty to thirty yards per game, throwing in a couple of extra touchdowns. I think that's where we we realize the big upside with his rushing ability is some of that red zone stuff. But them bringing back Cordell Patterson. Obviously, still having Kyle Pitts. We don't know what the heck's gonna go on with with Calvin Ridley in the future. Uh, but I do expect them to bring in at least two wide receivers in the draft, probably earlier rather than later. And it's probably gonna be a different looking Falcons team than we're used to. No more Julio Jones, no more Calvin Ridley. Uh, you get you get out of Matt Ryan, and all of a sudden there's kind of some exciting playmakers this year. With you know, we, we saw what Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts could do last year. But they were pretty restricted, and I think this could potentially open up a lot of things for the offense, uh, hopefully for the better and not for the worse. And what's the highest rookie pick you'd give up for Mariota and Superflex? Mm, I don't think you could pry a first from me, but I think I'm going like that early, mid-ish second, maybe like a 2.04 kind of range. Yeah, so I talked about that. I, I, I take Baker
1: and risk Baker over the Ritter Strong's and, uh, you know, that range of guys I'd rather have those range of guys than Mariota long-term. And so it would probably be like 206 to 207. Cause I think that's where, you know, that, the, that, that second tier of quarterbacks is going to be off the board.
2: Well, I think there's a halfway decent chance that one of those guys you just mentioned is an Atlanta Falcon. uh, uh that's, not outside the you know the the realm of possibilities, or we see them just add to their offense and go for quarterback in twenty twenty three, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I think mid mid two for Mariota is is probably fair, unless it's like start four quarterbacks or something crazy.
1: All right, let's. We got two more. We'll rapid fire it. Uh, Leonard Fournette back with the Bucks. Um, this is one of those that like if you knew it two years ago, this is how like life would play out for. Leonard Fournette, he would have been like a third round startup pick in 2019, 2020. Um, legitimately, I think he has, you know, they just have Keyshawn Vaughn in, in the backfield other than Leonard Fournette. They're probably going to invest a little bit in the draft, whether it be like a, a late day two or early day three pick. But regardless of who it is, I see Fournette as a like low end top, like a low end RB1 in Dynasty right now, because he has a legitimate two, three years of where he should be projected to be like the, the Bucks are granted. This is sounds crazy, but the Bucks are signing all of these three year deals. Like, is that, is there a reason that all of these deals are they're signing are three year deals?
2: Did Brady say like, Hey, I'm going to try to play three more years. Tom said, yeah, I got three in me. Let's I'll wait till my kids get into high school and then I'm out of here. Uh Leonard Fournette's career arc is just one of the most wild roller coasters i think i've ever seen uh 2019 with jacksonville he had 100 targets right this guy that's not getting 30 targets per year in his first two seasons or whatever it was all of a sudden gets 100 in 2019 shows up in tampa in 2020 plays 13 games isn't really the guy he, i don't even think he has 100 carries gets a couple of targets shows back up 2021 He gets not 200 carries. It's only 180 carries, but he comes back to that. The the positive regression, Nathan, it happened. We got actual positive regression. 84 targets, 69 catches, 450 yards, only two touchdowns. But this offense is, is back. I would expect still kind of that 70 to 80 range for targets, assuming he's the guy. Which you don't bring him back for three years and pay him what you pay him if he's not the guy. If he's healthy, you got another wide receiver running back. One season in Leonard Fournette, and I don't think it's any stretch to see him up the carry numbers and maintain on the targets and catches. I, I just he's been consistent with Tampa, however sparingly he's been used. Uh, I don't think they're going to run him into the earth, but I think his volume is very very sticky. Yeah, so
1: go back to the rookie pick conversation. I would probably, you know, give up 109, 110 for him. We talked about this being a weak rookie class. Would that even be enough? Like, you, you think that,
2: oh. for, well, like 106? In non-super flex, I think you have to give up 103 or 104. Oh, boy. I, I, in, non, that, in non-super flex. For that, I'd probably sell. I'd probably sell and take my risk on a Traylon Burks. Or, he's still, you know. he. I mean, he's still only 27 and has really only played, like, two and a half full seasons, all things considered. So, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's a, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think that there's really any running backs in this class that I would be like, yep, he's better than Leonard Fournette. There's a couple of guys that are going to be fine that are going to, that they're absolutely going to work in running back committees. Leonard Fournette's going to have this backfield by himself. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my running back
1: boys of Spiller and Kyron and, to an extent, Ely have been destroyed by the NFL draft process.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, those are, like, what, round three picks now? Maybe late round two? Yeah, I mean, maybe, like, Kyron's probably d- day three, and Spiller's
1: going to be late day two. Basically, the only running backs that matter are Brees and, like, maybe a hint of
2: Kenneth Walker. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I don't think I'm taking those guys... Over Leonard Fournette. Now, there's a couple of wide receivers I'm taking over Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I'd rather have Traylon Burks. Rather have Drake London just because of the pure upside with him and potential value to flip. Outside of those few guys, 104 is really not all that much. If 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 you're in a spot and you just need a running back, you think you're a running back away from a real title shot. 104 isn't going to get you the points to contend. 104 can get you points if you trade it. But getting a rookie this year, it's not going to do it, I don't think.
1: All right, let's go to wrap up the show with a pair of maybe washed veterans. <laughs> um, Austin Hooper and Robert Woods headed to the Titans. One signing after being cut, Austin Hooper, and one being traded for a six-round pick. The Rams, uh, they haven't always been the savviest when it comes to the salary cap and, and draft picks. But dumping Robert Woods right before his cap hit, like, triples – one of the best trades they've made. Uh, I don't know how they got the Titans to take on that contract. When people talk about like, Oh, Robert Woods for only six round pick. No, it's Robert Woods and like $16 million.
2: Well, I mean, they, they did him a solid by getting him onto another playoff team at the very least, but they weren't, you knew that they weren't going to trade him back into the NFC because he's for sure. Still got it. Uh, if you know, the last few years in LA, have any any signs of of what robert woods is and what he's been able to do you know 2018 2019 uh even 2020 you know what to an extent was still solid last year he was on pace even you know even with cooper cup going absolutely berserk uh he was on pace to have another really strong season with the addition of matthew stafford and the injury occurs. Obviously, they bring uh, Odell, and things change a little bit. Now, this offseason, they bring Allen Robinson. I think, I don't, is as, as OBJ f- f- committed to re-signing yet? No. So, there's still a little bit of a question mark there, but you still have second-round pick Van Jefferson, who I think you and I both believe in his ability, especially as a wide receiver three in an offense. Even if he's working on the outside, you move Cup inside or put Cup outside, move Van inside. Uh, I think that trio is fantastic. Having the luxury of Van Jefferson being your fourth wide receiver, if you can sign OBJ, is massive. So uh, all of that being said about those guys, I do still think Robert Woods is one of the better, more valuable veterans. Uh, definitely better better options, or not many better options of guys over the age of 28, 29. He is in that upper tier Of what I would consider very close to elite veterans. He's going to get your points no matter where he's at. Regardless of Tennessee Titans being pretty bad at throwing the football. Still have A.J. Brown. Still have Derrick Henry in the whole nine. The Julio Jones thing was an absolute just that was horrible. But I also think he was brought in quite literally as a giant decoy. So Robert Woods is not that. He can still ball. And um, this should be good for Woods. Hooper, this is probably make or break for, for Austin Hooper. Um, there's potential there. Tennessee loves using their tight ends. I think there's a, a upside of maybe 80 targets for Austin Hooper. It depends on what they do with the rest of that. If they bring in another another tight end in the rookie drafts, but
1: yeah. and this and this is sad for every tight end ever. But tight end Hooper in a best ball, like you're not going to be able to pick which week. Austin Hooper scores a touchdown, but there's going to be two or three weeks where he scores at least one, maybe two. Um, I don't, I, I don't ever see Hooper at this stage of his career being like a six catch for 92 yards and a touchdown. It'll be like four catches for 41 and a touchdown. Like you know that that's going to be what his stat line is looking like on his good days with the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think we've already seen the game of the wide receiver two not living up to fruition in Tennessee. Um, so I, I'm a bit, you know, I, I have a cause for pause with, with, with Robert Woods, along with the injury, um, and all, and, and the age and all those things. I still like Robert Woods as a player, but I think that there is a bit of, believe it when
2: I see it in regards to the, the Titans wide receiver two in the Derrick Henry era. Well, Julio only played 10 games. He averaged five targets a game. That's not great, but you, again, I if I don't know if you watched the Titans games at all. Julio is no longer Julio. He may oh, has yeah. he, he may I don't even think he's Quintoris at this stage. That's a different guy. He's that is I bet Jerry Rice now, today, would be more useful than Julio Jones was last year. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Any last words, Dan? No, hopefully uh we have one more exciting week of just random trades there's no one left to trade and nobody has any needs remaining but who knows maybe the baker mayfield thing maybe he gets traded to the usfl
1: <laughs> all right that should wrap us up for this week we will talk to you guys next week call do